Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD, instincts, and self-observation. We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Um, and write down the secret word of that show, and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. Women diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood are more likely to have depression, be stressed, and have low self-esteem. It's recommended they talk to a professional to develop better life and stress management strategies. But here are some tips. Identify the sources of stress and make changes. Develop healthy self-care habits, such as getting adequate sleep, exercise, and good nutrition. To learn more about ADHD in women, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay, everybody, I'm uh, really excited about our show tonight. The topic is really self-observation. People with ADHD struggle with self-observation. They struggle with self-awareness. And in my 14 years as a coach, observing people, it's been fascinating to me, patterns that have revealed themselves and some success that I've had really just studying uh, individuals' behavior and mirroring back to them. And over the years, well, I guess... If you're going to problem solve for anything, you actually have to look at facts. Emotions and opinions, unless they're fact-based, don't necessarily always get us anywhere. And it's a bit of a challenge, ADHD and problem solve, because what are the facts? What do you look at? What's really kind of at play? What's not at play? And so as a result, we tend to have just kind of emotional-type observations. What I've learned over the years is Dr. Russell Barkley's construct – of looking at ADHD as an executive function impairment and taking a look at all the individual mind tools in that, self-awareness, self-restraint, visual imagery, verbal working memory, emotional self-regulation, and playing with information in your mind. If you break those down and take a look at them, they give us a target. We have an idea of actually what we're looking for individually with executive functioning, and then we can make some observations. And so one of the things that I really wanted to share tonight with those with ADHD. This is a huge insight of mine. 
it's taken me a while to kind of articulate it as, as strange as this sounds, but it's really looking at the behavior. So to do that, we need to say, well, what is an instinct? We kind of know what it is, but it's our internal inclination towards a particular behavior. We think of instinct as it's, it's, it's just there. Examples of instincts are animals shaking water from their fur. They wag themselves to get water out of their hair. That's just instinctive. Um, an inborn root reflexively that helps them seek out a nipple to name nourishment. Uh, birds fly south for the winter. We eat and we drink. Instinctively, we know how to procreate. When you think about this, you kind of want, well, how do you know that? It's just hardwired into our brains. And so if you really study people and instincts, at the end of the day, compelled to do behavior that is either self-preserving or it's efficient. As I like to see, you know, water runs downhill because it's the path of least resistance. And if you begin to understand the ADHD brain and begin to take a look at the behavior of people with ADHD and begin to wonder, I wonder um, if their behavior is legitimately explainable if you take a look at their executive function. And uh, I have found that to be absolutely amazingly true. If you're a regular listener of Attention Talk Radio, you will you will hear a lot of other shows in the past put together. If you're new to us, we talk a lot about things. I don't have really time to go into everything in, in like complete detail, but one of the things that I've come to realize with Dr. Barkley's model in the last three years is that um, working memory is an executive function impairment. And working memory, uh, manipulating information in your mind towards a goal, is playing with information in your mind. It's a challenge. Uh, people with ADHD struggle with that. I've had lots of exercises that we've done in the past to kind of illustrate that, but in quite simple terms, people with ADHD thinking is more difficult. Now, I also need to preface this. These are models and everything for you guys to see. I put this together from interviewing um, experts over the years and apply this in my practice all the time. So I can't tell you that um, there's been double-blind studies on all this, but I'm not so sure there needs to. It's really just really kind of makes obser observations. So it's interesting to me because when you think about it, people with ADC struggle thinking towards a goal. Verbal working memory is a part of working memory, and that is talking inside your head. Uh, neurotypicals, they have self-talk. They talk inside their head towards a goal. Not all, but many people with ADHD struggle with talking to themselves inside their head, so they have a tendency to talk a lot. People will actually judge that, like you just like to hear yourself talk, or you're full of yourself, or you talk too much. Well, if you don't have the right technology, it's kind of hard to make an observation, but what I've come to realize is that many people with ADHD, they actually talk out loud. They're not talking to you. They're not talking to me. They're talking out loud to themselves. It looks like a conversation, but it's actually not. Now, it's a little confusing. Sometimes they weave in and out of a conversation and talking out loud. And as I have learned coaching people with ADHD, it's like for that, some of them, not to talk is not to think. So here's the thing. Instinctively, they talk a lot. Why? Because they're rewarded with solving problems, better performance in school, better performance at work. You know, does, a, does an animal, is it taught to wag its fur to get rid of water? Does a person taught to talk out loud because their working memory is impaired? I'm not so sure. I think it's just an automatic thing. So if you actually observe the behavior, you can begin to say, what are the legitimate reasons a person does what they do? 
Another example that I'd like to share is there's uh, some videos out there. There's some funny ones on the Internet where uh, there's one in particular. I can't remember the, the where it's from, but I, I remember like this woman. She goes into a room to get something, and she finds something else she does, and that reminds her of something. And she before you know it, she's all over the place. And so one of the things that I've learned with uh, part of working memory is the retrieval of existing knowledge. And when you think of that, well, how do you retrieve knowledge? There's free recall where it just appears out of nowhere out, out in your head. Two is what we call a cued recall. There's a cue that helps you retrieve it. If you leave something on the island in the kitchen to remember to take that with you to work, that, you'd call that a reminder. I like the word cue because it works better in some situations. So that's a cue. And there's recognition. If you were to look at maybe a $5 bill, you could retrieve the name of the president that's on the $5 bill from recognition of the $5 bill. So that's how we retrieve knowledge. For people, they ditch you. Sometimes this is impaired. And so if they don't have a cue or anything to recognize, then it's out of sight, out of mind. So now we can begin to understand why a person with ADHD will go into a room to do something, and they see something that needs to be done. Maybe the trash needs to be taken out, and there's a trash can. There's a verbal cue. Or uh, maybe there's something that has to be done a certain time. I, I do remember coaching a woman one time that uh, the cue to feed the animals were when the animals showed up, wagging their tails like looking to her for food. So what they do is they'll, they'll go into a room to do something. There'll be, a, there'll be a visual cue of something that needs to be done or something that's unfinished. Now they're point of performance. Everything is there. So they end up doing it because if they don't do it, they're not going to do it. So then when they get on that task, maybe they're going around taking something somewhere, and all of a sudden they see another and another and another. Think about this from a productivity perspective. It's actually really efficient because they're there at the point of performance. They're, they see what they need to do, so they engage themselves in doing it because if they don't do it, they're not going to do it because they won't remember it unless they see that cue again. So how does this manifest in the world? Well, okay, well, they're – They were trying to get out the door um, to go somewhere, and they're two hours late because they're moving around the house, seeing these cues in order to get some things done. So some of you might be rolling your eyes out there going, oh, well, the idea really here is now we understand why they're doing it. Instinctively, they're doing it because it's productive for them, and they've lost track of time, which is why they're late. This is really important when you have self-observation and self-awareness because when a person is doing that, they're being rewarded with higher – productivity they're getting things done it feels good to them but how do they pull themselves away from that and lose that it's it's a bit of a challenge um you can put a alarm a bell or whistle in there but it feels good to be productive um it's really try to hard to really override that uh where you're kind of in that flow i want you guys think about that we're going to run to a break and we'll come back and we're going to continue on this conversation of examples of this to kind of help some of you begin to look at your behavior and acknowledge that a lot of it you're doing right. And the idea is not to do things differently, but understand what you do and tweak a little bit. So um, our secret word is instincts. Um, Again, our secret word is instincts, and we'll be right back at these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, 
and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Having a conversation today to try to help people observe themselves. Try to take some of the emotions out so we have a little bit of a target. Um, We're using Dr. Russell Barkley's model to understand executive functioning, and we're also beginning to look at behavior as instinctive. And so when you think about it, your cognitive behavior is really a reflection. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Your behavior is a reflection of your cognitive behavior. To correct the behavior without taking into consideration the constraints or the requirements of the cognitive behavior is why many of those tips, tricks, and strategies really don't work. And there's a lot of people with ADHD that when I'm coaching them, they have a lot of stuff that's out. I've had many of them that have hired professional organizers, and they put all the stuff away, and they make it nice and pretty, and before you know it, everything's right back where it was. When that happens, I say, you know, we have to stop and, and take a look at what's there because it's there for a reason. So, again, for our newer listeners, you might need to go back and listen to some other of our shows. But one of the things that we talk about, about working memory, is the loading of information in your mind, the booting up of your mind to do a task. So think of it like this. If you're going to go and you're working on a house, you arrive, you've got to get your construction, uh, your tools out, your uh, extension cords set up, your sawhorses, all that's work that needs to be done in order for you to prepare to get ready to do the work. When you sit down to do something that requires a lot of executive functioning, you've got to load that up in your mind. If you're doing your taxes on the dining room table, you you put things out, and when you come back to that, you have a visual of kind of where you are. It kind of helps you kind of get back to where you were. I've had people before where they had their taxes on the table, and they put it in a box, and they shove it away, and it's harder for them to pull it out because now they have to – go through the exercise of putting the visual stuff out so they can see it and remember where they were in the process. So a lot of times people with ADHD, they, they leave things out. Number one, they, they leave things out where they use them at point of performance because that's where they use them. I mean, two, they do it because it brings some familiarity to what they're doing when they come back or there are certain reminders that they have. Now, granted, people with ADHD – who struggle with recall will leave out a lot of reminders, and at some level, that becomes overwhelming because there's too much, too much, and all you want to do is to escape. But if we, again, if we begin to look at, you know, what's going on here and the behavior that are that are bringing items back to where they are, and say what's the legitimate reason that they're there for a cognitive reason, we can begin to understand the behavior, and then what we can do is we can begin to design environments and worlds that are conducive to that behavior because it's a reflection of a or cognitive constraint. So I want to pause here and say we're looking at your natural behavior and saying you, le- you procrastinate for a legitimate reason. What is that legitimate reason? We talked about this on the show. If a task is really, really boring and there's a lot of steps, people with ADHD are physically uncomfortable when they're bored. Their brain just is uncomfortable. It'll do anything to get comfortable. So if we have a boring task, it is just hard, and that's a legitimate reason why people don't uh, do some of those. We have to accept that where it is. Another thing that I've shared in different times and different places on the show is ambiguity. 
okay? If you don't know what to do with a task, you don't know – literally, you don't know what to do. You don't know where something is. You don't know how to do it. Well, legitimately, you do something else because you could be productive. The other side of ambiguity is if what you're doing, you've got bits and pieces of it, but you can't conceptually hold it in your head all at the same time. Um, you, you have pieces of it, but still it's ambiguous. So what I find is people will go do something else. Often I'm sitting down and saying, let's take a look at your procrastination list and identify the legitimate reasons why you're not doing it. I can't tell you how many times there's an issue of ambiguity with regard to a task because it requires some type of thinking. Again, earlier we've already talked about thinking inside your head is impaired. And if a person's just sitting there expecting to think to resolve some ambiguity, they're physically uncomfortable. Emotionally, all they want to escape, so they jump to social media and YouTube. Again, Dr. Barclay's Marshall is amazing, all right? It's not a focus issue. Often, it's a thinking issue. Make thinking easier. The emotional urge to escape is decreased, and you don't have a focus problem. So next concept I want to talk about, my son is an industrial engineer, and one of the things I've had the pleasure of just witnessing or putting together, not in a lot of conversations, is that industrial engineering is about designing systems in organization. Not bridges or electrical stuff, it's, but it's, it's, it's systems. And anytime you're ever going to, to go in and take a look at something, you always map out the current system to understand why it is the way it is. You understand what is there, what's not, and that's important because you have to take that into consideration in designing whatever system is going to be. So I want to go to break, and when we come back, I want to talk about some examples of some people of how we actually um, – what looked to be disorganized. We took a look at uh, mapping their current systems out and looking at their instincts in the context of Dr. Barclay's model and uh, we're anxious to share uh, what we, what, we, what I, these are examples of what I've been able to see and find. Uh, hopefully it inspire you to try this. So our secret word tonight is instincts. Again, secret word tonight is instincts and we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are having a conversation about um, uh, self-observation using two things to make observations. One is your instinct. Uh, in the context of Dr. Barclay's executive functioning model, 
to understand executive functioning, how it's an impairment for ADHD, to understand the cognitive behavior to see how it manifests in behavior. One of the things about our world is um, observation is difficult. You, you, have to, you have to sit, you have to study something um, and realize it's not always as it appears. And sometimes there's something that's so obvious it's hard to see. So one of my favorite quotes is, I don't know who discovered water, uh, but I'm sure it wasn't a fish. It's kind of a funny little thing, but, you know, it, it is – some things are so obvious that we just we just don't see them. But, again, we go back to, you know, we jump to conclusions so quickly and that superficially that if, if we just sit and sit in for a while and make observations, we can begin to understand a lot more. So here's an example of instinctive behavior and organizational systems. I was coaching an individual one time who wanted some organization and systems. So – when that happens, it's usually interesting because the person has such a belief that they're disorganized. When I say, I want to walk through your current system, they really don't know where to begin. They're, they're somewhat argumentative, and so it's, it's kind of difficult. But needless to say, this particular individual had lists all over the place. So I like, where are your lists and what's going on? So, again, it probably took 25 minutes of questioning just to get the facts out without all the emotion and observation. But bottom line is they had notepads all over the place. And what would happen is they're sitting there and an idea would come to their mind, and they would write it down on a list. Now, understanding working memory, when you have an idea come in, you, you can't hold a lot in your working memory, so it's really good to externalize it. So to write it down on a list, that's, that's beautiful. It's like it's, it couldn't be any better than that. But the problem is they're scattered all, all over the place. And the, the issue really here is when you have a list in one room and you've got categories, this is a work thing and this is an errand thing and this is a personal thing, they're all commingled. And when you think about people with ADHD, the, the tediousness of grabbing all your lists, bringing them all together, and then rewriting your list by category is just really overwhelming. And so they don't do it. Once we began to observe that this is what the individual was doing, I'm like, okay, the issue really here is you've got this idea that you need to get to your future self. Now, let's understand that comes up. I have an idea. This is something that I need to do at work. I need to get to note to my future self that will be in the office tomorrow. How do I get a note to that person at the point in time that they need it in order to execute that? Right? So the issue really was it's kind of cumbersome with the, 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 the notebooks, but we don't really want to change behavior a lot because it was instinctive. So I was like, hmm. What if you just put post-it notes there? Now, most people would say, okay, a stack of post-it. No, you take a, you have a pad, the legal, like eight by ten, and you take post-its and you put it all over the page. So there's like all kinds of them, um, because you're used to the, the tablet, not just the post-it. And what she would do is she would write the to-do on the post-it. Now, post-its are really cool because they're portable. She could now sit and grab all the notes from the the pad that were related to work, and she could take it and stick it into the kitchen with her purse right right next to them because she's not going straight to work, but she could take them there, and then when she goes to work there, the, she takes them to work with the stuff that she's already taken, her purse, her keys, etc. Now she's been able – she's got a mailing system, a transport system to get those to her future self. Other post-its would make it into the bathroom and make it on the bathroom wall. Worked like a charm. Worked like a charm. Instinctively, this person would write down these notes at the point of performance in those areas, which is why they had pads all over the place. It felt disorganized because it didn't look like 
you know, some type of planner that you drag around with you or it wasn't your phone because we have these belief systems around what it's supposed to look like. And I would argue that those don't work because there's some type of cognitive reason for it. But this is what works. So all we did is we took a look at it and we brainstormed and said, hmm, how can we make this thing portable? Wouldn't a post-it work? Another example that I have is uh, this is a fun one for me because I was dealing with a real estate agent one time who came to me and said, I'm a hot mess. And she said, I'm just disorganized. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're organized. And so the fight ensued, right? She's insisting she's disorganized. And I'm like, I'll prove it to you. So I'm asking her how does she manage um, you know, keep track of her clients. And so, again, it's like a fight trying to ask the questions to find out, like, what's your daily routine? In the end of the day, what would happen is she's a residential real estate person, and so she gets leads. People contact her by email, or excuse me, voicemail or text because it's kind of real time. Well, what she does is she wakes up in the morning, she scrolls through her texts, she scrolls through her emails. If she's got a day that's really, really busy, she's responding to the things that are hot. And the next day... She might have clicked a text and marked it from read to unread. Um, when things slow, she's scrolling through it. Oh, my God, I forgot to do that. And then she's following up. She's got this anxiety as a result of, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. I can't conceptualize it. But what we began to realize is she's flawless. Every day she knew where to look. Those were the two places where people contacted her, and she would manage the information. Oh, by way, what was interesting is she, if she would go on the MLS and take a look at properties, because she would see the properties, she could hold those in her memory. So it was really just tracking things. Now, normally in a real estate agent, you have what's called a CRM, a contact relationship manager, where you go back to the office and you bang all this information in so that you can kind of manage it. She had never done that. That's not very ADD friendly. It's very tedious. But needless to say is – what she had was flawless, but we began to realize that some days she has busy days, and she doesn't get to things. Another day, when it's slow, she starts to catch up, but she's got a lot of anxiety. And so I said, you know, what would it be like if we just went through your texts and your phone and wrote the names of the people you were working with on a Post-it? We had picked one color for buyers and one color for sellers, and if she was doing both, there was two Post-its. And put it on a poster board. Now – Visually, she could now see all the clients that she had, which was interesting because there was more clients than she thought that she had. And we, you know, if they were hot, she put them on the top, and like other ones would be on the bottom. These are like maybe somebody where they they want a house with a characteristic, and it's not on the market. She's just looking for it. Well, all we did was we just took it and we made it tangible for her visual imagery to realize the activity that she had, and it brought an amazing amount of calm to her. What I would like to highlight is instinctively she was she gravitated this direction because it was most productive for her. And it was when we studied her behavior in the context of executive functioning and what she was doing was for a legitimate reason, we began to unearth an amazing um, organizational system that was natural for her. Now, it didn't look like maybe what it should, but it was helpful for her today is all too often we take a look at people with ADHD and say that they're wrong or we criticize them and that they're not doing it right. As a coach, I have found an amazing amount of success, not by saying that they're not doing it right, but by curious, like, okay, what are you doing? I wonder what the legitimate reason is that you're doing what you're doing. Now, I do keep in the back of my mind Dr. Barkley's construct on executive functioning, which has enabled me to see these patterns and mirror them back. The point really is, is if you have ADHD, you can read all the books, 
In fact, I've actually had people before where they came to me and I said, I'll forbid you from reading any more books or going to anything else um, because um, it's inhibiting your ability to see yourself. I encourage you to begin to look at what you're doing right, not doing wrong. Understand that you're doing a lot instinctively. And with that, remember our secret word tonight is instinct. And we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Catch us next week. 